What a what a real and candid that moment. okay was so earnest. <laughs> it was just like, okay, okay here we go. This <laughs> this oh, no. this podcast. Welcome to this joke oh. is getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is such a great episode. We just recorded it. Here's the intro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. It's really special. It made yeah. me feel like these episodes always do. I sometimes come in feeling a little off center or a little scattered, and I always end feeling whole mm-hmm. and settled and calm. And I feel heart open, yeah, mind sharp. And and because it's the morning, I'm like ready to face the day. That's right. We're doing a special morning edition. Yes, our, our wonderful nanny Iris is here now. Uh, so we recorded this morning. That's right. Boom, yeah. boom. And I think almost because of that, I wonder... I was saying that the ratio of like light and silly to deep uh, feels a little bit more balanced than it has been the last few episodes where we've just been kind of diving deep and like right away. Uh, Yeah, it was good. It was, this one's a little bit lighter. Um, This is an Arnold Palmer. Yeah. But a lot of good stuff in there. I love, I look forward to these chats with you guys and obviously with you, Val. And if you guys like the show, um, just speaking of Ernest, it really means a lot if you guys buy one of the Pete's Picks. That's how you can support the show. So hopefully these are things that I really love. If you want to get a little something or, or even subscribe to some of them or just try it, whatever you want to do, it directly helps the show. Yeah. So these aren't just ads. This is us saying like these are products that I love and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And if you want to try them, it directly helps us continue to do this show. So we really appreciate it. Uh, the first one is Living Libations, which actually comes up in this episode. Yeah, that's right. Living Libations is uh, skin and hair and body care, wonderful stuff, dental care. They have a high-end, beautiful, affordable, uh, natural uh, replacement for whatever strange thing uh, you might have bought at 7-Eleven. <laughs> I realized years ago that I'm very mindful of what I put in my body, but I wasn't being very careful about what I put on my body, uh, buying face creams. I remember the first, like when I got a talk show, I was like, I'm going to go buy face creams. I felt like that's what people on TV were supposed to do. So I went to a store in a mall and it has a French name and everything was so expensive, but they're not good. These companies don't care about us. They're just the same chemicals and toxins that are linked to disease and toxicity levels that weren't intended for humans. Just because they look fancy doesn't mean they're actually good for you. Mm. And I realized not that long ago that I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients and I want my skincare to be the same. So enter Living Libations. It's not only natural, it's the best skincare stuff I've found. Their ginger exfoliating scrub is the most badass, meaning effective exfoliating scrub that I've found. I would put it against anything that you would buy off a shelf. Uh, it is wonderful, and you'll recognize the ingredients, and it makes your skin feel great and look great. It's got plants, oils, extracts that you recognize as real and natural, and it works. I also shave with their Zen Shave. It's a shaving balm that is so clean and natural and moisturizing. You can actually use a dab of it as aftershave. So, as I always say, not some anonymous green, blue goo yeah. shot from a can. That is like, it's so, it's the unnaturalness is so obvious with there, that. It, it like, looks like Powerade. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I know. I love the texture of that shaving cream, of the Zen shave. And it smells great, too. Mm-hmm. And the best skin ever moisturizer both Val and I use before bed. It smells great, feels great. 
gets your skin looking great, radiant before bed. Whatever you need uh, for your skin, your face, your body, your eyes, your teeth, even baby products, we are a Living Libations family, top to bottom. I promise they have a premium, natural, and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare you might have bought off the shelf. Go to livinglibations.com, and that's what it is. Promo code weird. We talked about it during the episode. Uh, It's promo code weird for 20% off. That's livinglibations.com, promo code WEIRD for 20% off. Speaking of things, good things that you can put in your body, we have become a Ritual family too. Mm -hmm. Ritual is a multivitamin subscription service, but it's not just another multivitamin. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. It's a slow-release formula. I do intermittent fasting, and that's so important because multivitamins can upset your stomach. But these don't dissolve and aren't absorbed until they're in your lower intestine, which is where your body can actually absorb them anyway. But I can take them on an empty stomach uh, without any concern about getting a a, a, a tummy ache. ache. Thank you. (laughs) What you won't find in there, sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, artificial colorants. Plus, they have a mint taste, sort of like how Advil tastes cool, tastes like candy. These have a mint flavor on the outside that I'm surprised to say how much that makes me look forward to taking them. Mm. Uh, it just gives you a pleasant minty mouth feel and makes taking your vitamins easy. Uh, I've been doing it for a while. I love the way it makes me feel ready to face my day. I also really love the packaging. It's basically just like an envelope, meaning it's not like packed with packing peanuts and styrofoam and all this nonsense. It's as eco-friendly as it gets. It's easy. It's convenient. And because I know they're coming at, you know, at the end of the month, it makes me take them. Yeah. It's sort of like the treadmill. I have to take these. I don't want them to pile up. But you know what? I'll take whatever I can get to make sure I remember to take my multivitamin. So the ritual is the multivitamin reimagined. It should contain key nutrients. I, as a vegan, need B12. B12 is in there. Vitamin D3, especially now that it's colder, harder to get it from the sun or wherever. It's got vitamin D3 in that bioavailable, easily absorbable form. Uh, these are super important. Uh, nutrients, obviously, and every single one of them is traceable. It comes with little literature that tells you where the vitamin is coming from with a visible supply chain, which I think is really cool. Uh, It's designed with your life stage in mind. I am male 18 plus, but they have 50 plus. They have stuff for four plus, and it makes your healthy habits very easy. Uh, They deliver to your uh, door every month, free shipping always, and you can snooze it. You can start. You can stop whenever you want. Uh, and if you don't love Ritual with your with within your first month, they'll refund your first order. Wow! Boom! Nothing to lose. Uh, so show your support of the show and get some good goodness in your body. Ritual is offering weirdos ten percent off during your first three months. Go to ritual.com/weird to start your ritual today with ten percent off during your first three months. That's ritual.com/weird. And last but not least, the newest Pete's pick, which I am very excited and earnest about, is the perfect jean. As you guys may know from watching my stand-up, I hate hard pants. I want to be comfortable, and I tried for a really long time to wear yoga pants all day, but I couldn't pull it off because I am not, uh, I don't want to say sting again. Who's somebody who would wear (laughs) 
I'm not Leaf from Crashing. <laughs> or Michael Gunger. <laughs> or Michael Gunger. Uh, I just couldn't pull it off. I wanted something that looked great, looked just like the designer, way too expensive jeans that I've spent way too much money on, but would be made of flexible fabrics woven into them so they would be stretchy and comfortable, but no one would need to know. Enter the perfect gene. I don't understand why we are trapping parts of our bodies, restricting our nuts like they owe us money. <laughs> These are the best pants I've ever owned. I seriously haven't taken them off since they arrived, and that was over a month ago. Uh, that is telling. They are made from a premium stretch fabric, 2% spandex, 2.5% rayon, for extra comfort and movement that your man parts require. Your jeans uh, stretch especially around the nuts. <laughs> How many times can you say I nuts? I can say nuts. <laughs> so they aren't crushed, thereby providing the only true home for your bone. Oh, okay. I love it. Yeah. They're super <laughs> soft. They're specialized washing. Uh, so your jeans literally feel as soft as a baby's butt. And you may even forget you're wearing pants. Mm. But they're high, high, high quality. They're constructed using the highest quality materials and sewing techniques to provide you with a product that is built to last. I can absolutely attest to that. This is not some gimmick thing. They're incredibly high quality, wonderful jeans that happen to have a wonderful stretchy component. And best of all, they're not khakis. Fuck your khakis. What are we going to a Limp biscuit concert? <laughs> Baggy khakis? Get that shit out of here and spare your nuts. Three. The perfect gene for the perfectly imperfect men is just 60 bucks when you use code WEIRDO. So it's not weird. It's WEIRDO code at checkout. That is going to give you 25% off. You can get them for just 60 bucks. Liberate your lower limbs. Perfect whether you're working with lemons or lentils, a three-leaf clover, or a big old honk and eggplant. The perfect gene has you covered. And God, you could sleep in them. They're so comfortable. I literally, I'm going to use my own promo code to buy more because you get different washes, different cuts. They look great and they feel great. Take a peek, www.theperfectgene.nyc. That's theperfectgene.nyc, code WEIRDO for 25% off at checkout. I love it. Is the three-leaf clover like the the penis and the... Two nuts? <laughs> I think I didn't. I didn't write that joke. Um, I love this company because they're funny too. They're it's so what drew funny. me to their ads is that they're legit funny. So good. But Zach, one of the co-founders, wrote this, and when he says three leaf clover, I think he means like like a flat, <laughs> like everything's flat. I know. I love it. I don't know. I love the mystery behind it. Look, interpret it as you will. These pants, you can sit cross-legged. You can nap in them. You can do karate kicks. You can do lunges. But Val likes them because I was wearing ridiculous, like, baggy, They were always stupid, falling down. Yeah, falling off my butt. These are like pants with a belt and a zipper and a button and pockets and the little cool secret pocket. I love yeah, it. Yeah, they're very cool. They're the coolest pants you've owned, I think. Thank you very much. <laughs> so get some ritual in your body, get some living libations on your body, and put some perfect genes on your lower on body. Your butt. On your butt and your nuts. <laughs> Four? Five? And enjoy this wonderful chat, guys. We're so happy. It's so weird to say, but I'm like, I really feel like the true fans listen to the Friday episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, we, You know, people come in and out of the Wednesdays. But it, it's a special place that we have here, a special community. Yeah. And we're glad that you're here to share it with us. Yeah. Get into it. I just went right for it. Okay. I tried to do an earnest okay, like you did at the beginning. Okay. Okay. 
You can't do it. I, I can't. What, what I mean we is it. when we did E-Trade, when I was the voice of the E-Trade baby for a while, they would use me saying things like, okay, um, really? because that was me talking to the technician wow. because you, it's so hard to mimic a perfect the authenticity. I'm not performing. I'm just saying, okay. Wow. So they would use that stuff all the time. I love that. All right. Get into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a chicken and I gave it a hug. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just checking the levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You wrote that gorgeous song, Tell the People the Truth, and you wanted everyone oh, to hear it. Oh, yeah. I got a chicken. I can't even sing it the same. <laughs> yeah, and because I gave there's it a no hug. discernible melody. <laughs> there is. Oh, yeah. Somebody put this on sheet music. <laughs> It's a, it's a C if I'm not mistaken. Oh, what if I'm right? Oh, wow. you know, a dial tone, I think, oh, is, told me is a C. Mm. Aaron Dooley it's told some me note. that. Who's Aaron Dooley? Just a love of mine. <laughs> no, Aaron Dooley was, is. now of mine. <laughs> Aaron Dooley went to my college uh, and she was a folk musician. Oh, I, th- I think she still is with her uh, also wonderful husband Andy Lumen. They were both musicians. These are great. These names. are great names. I hope that great that names. They both took each other's names so that they're Dooley Lumens. Dooley Lumens, <laughs> or at least that that's their band. They name. are in a band, and they're, they're <laughs> they are. I don't think it's called Dooley Lumens. Dooley Lumens sounds like a a drink. If they don't have slow gin fizz, you get a Dooley Lumen. <laughs> I'll have a Dooley Loman. Mm. But she was so good. Aaron, Aaron. Aaron. If you hear this, you are so good. But, you know, she was sort of like Ani DeFranco and, you know, things. Did I go to school in the 90s? I don't know, but it sounds like it. I did, 98. Wow. I graduated high school in 2007. Oh, seven? Yeah, 2007. What if I just go outside and hurl myself off the balcony? <laughs> I would, but my hip is acting up. What I'm saying is I'm old. What, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, is you're I'm old. old. <laughs> what I'm saying. Very good. But um, she was so good. And, and I don't, you know, those early music things. So Andy was in a group called Brother Son, and, uh, which I didn't know is a St. Francis thing. I, I would learn this decades later. Huh. That St. Francis, you know, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan, and um, uh, St. Francis would call the, the the sun brother sun and sister moon, and it was this whole, we were just talking about this last night, the idea of panentheism, that the spirit or, or the energy of, of the divine is in everything. Yeah. So that's why St. Francis, like if you see a statue of him in a garden or something, he's sort of that almost like snow white cliche where the birds are on his shoulders and the deer because he saw the divine in everything. So that whole like, um, who cares about the earth? We're all just going to die and go to heaven where it really counts. Yeah. St. Francis didn't have any of that. He was pretty badass. I'm, I, there's a book Richie wrote about St. Francis that you bought me for Christmas that I really want to read. Um, I'm going to open up a YouTube, uh, fireplace or something because the the computer keeps wanting to go to sleep but oh even though we're recording yeah i'm definitely gonna mute it um look it's already it's already here in my faves i speaking of it's not muted let's just listen for a moment 
and we have rain on the outside. We have real nature sounds. Yeah. Real amazing nature sounds. I was doing therapy in this room. Um, brag. I know. <laughs> it is a brag. It's a privilege to be able to do therapy. Um, and I was like having to just like, you know, do all the things I tell everybody on this podcast to do. Uh, and like just really sit with my felt experience. Yeah. <laughs> and I could hear the, it's not rain, it's melting snow. Yeah, we went out. At, at, if you listen to this Wednesday, which was Sarah Cooper, we did the intro from here. We came two hours outside of LA into like the snowy mountains. LA, it really sort you of. See where we are. No, 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 no. People will find us. <laughs> you always, but they're not, it's not ambiguous. You're like, we're in a farm town. Uh, an hour and a half north of LA. We're like, yeah, that's Ojai. Like, we're in the mountains you know, two hours. I guess there's a couple options. Yeah, no, that's fine. I don't mind. Uh, yeah, Ojai. We're not in Ojai, though. We're in Lake Arrowhead. Yeah. And Lake Arrowhead is like, what I was going to say is it's very pro LA. Mm-hmm. One of the things when I moved to LA, and LA is a terrible place in so many ways. And I, I've uh, somebody said this to me, and I've said it to many people since then. If you like L.A. right away, mm-hmm. something's wrong with you. Yeah. It probably is like indicative of some sort of social disorder. Yeah. That you just love the, the walk of fame and <laughs> man's Chinese and the, and the characters and all that. And you're just like obsessed with maybe seeing a celebrity. It's, you're probably not in like the healthiest spot. Right. If that's like exactly where you want to be all year round. For the rest of your life. Yeah. But um, if you get here and and you don't really like it, but then you slowly figure out mm-hmm. that you're two hours, hour and a half to snow. Yeah. You can, we, we played with Leela in the snow. It was the best. It, it was, was the best. best. And that actually, well, let me, that's going to take us to our first question. Okay. Which I like. I've been reading some questions this morning and, and I found a couple good ones. Mm. Uh, well, I actually just found a couple questions. It was hard to find questions. Um, so we'll get to that, fellas and, and ladies. <laughs> um, and what is it? Non-binary and non-binaries? Uh-huh. Is that what you, and gender neutral. Gender newts. There's lots of... Um, gender newts and luli, lu, 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 duly lumens. Lumens. Lulies. Lulies. Oh, the lulies. The lulies. I just wanted to say that those early music impressions, and you know I'm not a music person... But the music that really gets me, and I'm embarrassed by that, by the way. Everybody knows that. I wish, if my heart is open, I will love music so much that I will buy a printout of the lyrics and hang it on the wall. That's true. One time my heart was open, and I was listening to the Avett Brothers, and uh, their song, Salvation Song, came on. And it moved me so much. I commissioned an artist to make a, a print of the lyrics with illustrations and it's hanging in our wall. And I gave one to Rob Bell. So like music is like a, it's zero sum. If I'm using that right, it's either going to floor me or I'm going to be like, I don't get it. Mm. Uh, but at least when I say I don't get it, I'm conceding that I know I'm wrong. Something's blocking me yeah. and I must be stressed or angry or sad. And I, I can't figure out why, but the music that I tend to love the national, I was introduced right after my divorce so it has that like narrativization. Mm-hmm. So there was, uh, you know, Radiohead's the same thing. I really got into Radiohead as all people whose wives leave them do uh, <laughs> and the national. But then like those songs that Aaron 
uh, and Brian Roberts and Brother Son, those college bands. Yeah. Did you have bands like that? Oh, they yeah. Stick with, I still know them. Oh, I, yeah. I get my acoustic guitar and play Aaron Dooley songs mm. because that was like... It was like they were like little celebrities on campus. Like I was yeah. so in awe of them. They were a little older than me and they weren't embarrassed. Tom Borman, they weren't embarrassed of performing. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, I was sort of embarrassed to perform music. Yeah. Something earnest. Yes. But they were like singing about their heartbreaks and stuff. And I was like, you had a heartbreak? Like nothing had happened to me. Yeah. So they were so cool. What was yours? Mine was fun, a, a little bit even more fun than that, I think, because it was my brother and my then husband, because I was married in college, um, were always in We're bands. so similar. <laughs> yeah. They were always in bands. So I was like constantly going to shows. Of and course. I used to go, They they were... They were like quasi Christian bands, so like kind of like um, Mute Math, if you know that band, which is a great band, or like what's you know those bands that are like they're not like um uh what was Lifehouse? Was Lifehouse? Yeah, I think so. Just like those bands that you're like. There's a couple more. If you're in the ch- if you were in the church culture, you knew the bands that you're like sort of Christian, sort of Christian. Like it's not overtly Christian, but you think that they- maybe they are Christian. Oh, Christian music's a good topic for us. Oh, it's so I, good. I used to think I would convince myself that Green Day and Rancid and all the bands that I loved when I was in high school, because I hadn't yet learned to express or even interpret my own rage. So I, I outsourced it. I was like, here, you scream for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would convince my, I would imagine that they were Christian yeah, and that they didn't, they, that they just didn't talk about it. The irony is though, when Blink-182, I remember maybe one or two of them, 182 of them uh-huh. were, said that they were Christian. So the irony was, I wanted them to be Christian, but if they said they were, I would immediately judge them That's and be right. like, well, what's all this talking about? Take off your pants and jacket and that <laughs> sexual nurse on the cover of your record. Like you couldn't win. Uh, yeah. See, I think if they had said they were Christian, a band that I liked, I would have been like, and and they were taking off their shirts and jacket. Their, their, <laughs> their second record is called Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I know it is. Oh. I was just, I, I misspoke, but also I loved that like pure mom moment. What's that that song you like? Take off your shirts and jacket. Oh my God. Hang it on the hook. Hang it on the hook and jacket. I had a chicken. I gave it a hug. Um. Anyway, but I, uh, I, one band that, like, I think was overtly Christian that I still think holds up is Switchfoot. I don't know Switchfoot. Switchfoot's great, and John Foreman. I just can't drive a clutch. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me sound like they were so proud of being able to drive a stick ship that they were like, "Let's call our band Switchfoot." Oh, because you like don't you know, know how to like switch your feet from clutch to brake. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Or you have I a don't du- know that it's not that you have a double bass on your drum kit and you switch from the hi-hat to the double bass Mm. the drummer named it never let the drummer name the band (laughs) jk jk (laughs) jk drummers oh my god you're fine name the band i think it's worth noting that so not only are we in a different location but this is a special morning edition 
Um, I love the morning. And like, so, so it probably will be extra silly because Pete is just a a lot of fun in the morning. I love morning Pete more than any of the Pete's. And there's 32 Pete's a day. I counted. (laughs) There's 32. There are are so many Pete's a day. And you know what? Now that I'm like a nine and I've merged with you, or I'd like to say now that I have just endless time to reflect and be in my own Head. head. Uh, there's like there's at least twenty vowels. Yeah, that's not special. There's thirty two <laughs> my dad's a day. There's mm-hmm. thirty two my brother, my mom. Just being aware of it. Speaking of you saying it's a privilege to have therapy, navel gazing was so sort of papooed mm-hmm. in uh, my culture in like Boston, (laughs) which is weird because Boston, there's parts of Boston that are so navel gazy and famous for being navel gazy and, and almost have a hippie element like Cambridge and Jamaica plain and all these things. But we, uh, we sort of, there was a pride and I I know this comes in. There's people in your family that maybe agree with this, like don't open that can of worms Uh and, uh, and keep it simple, stupid. And like, just, just do it. Like I was listening to something, Terrence McKenna, a brief lecture of his, and he was talking about like how on mushrooms it occurred to him like small truths that blow your mind. Mm. And one of them was that your pinky finger fits your nostril perfectly. Wow. And that either like will blow your mind or if you're sort of in that non-navel gazy place, you have to be really in your own navel really deep before you go Right. That is amazing that mm-hmm. my pinky fit and it fits your ear perfectly too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's either really interesting or zero. There's like mm-hmm. nobody that's a little bit interested <laughs> when Terrence McKenna is like, have you ever thought about that? Your pinky fits your ear perfectly mm-hmm. and the design that mm-hmm. that like that you are a part of. Yeah. And I, I'm even as a kid, I was just so tired or, or um, saddened by so many uncurious grownups that were just like, yeah. your finger fits your nose because it's your nose and it's yeah. your hand, yeah. but you don't even consider it. I know. Or that the number system is based on increments of 10 because we have 10 fingers. If we had 12 fingers, we'd all be counting to 12. And then the weird 11 would show up. It would be like <laughs> 10. Well, I guess they're all weird. They're all just made up words, aren't they? <laughs> but it does take a turn after 10, doesn't it? <laughs> It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. None of them are like eleven. Like eleven shows up. Who's this guy? He's already drunk. I think you mean maybe because are all of them? Oh no, not seven. I was going to say well, seven all of sounds them are- almost exactly like eleven. That's a great way to disprove my point. <laughs> this is this is morning, Pete. Everybody. But what I do mean is thirteen. 14, no, I know what you mean. I'm trying to like, f- figure out what it is. I agree with it's you. It's numbers based on other numbers. One, is- three, one, one. Eleven is th- is also three syllables, is what I was trying to say. I, I was going to say all of them are monosyllabic until eleven, but that's not true. That's not seven. true. But I think we're getting to it. Ten. If the num- if the numeral for ten was one digit, if it was like a digit we don't have, mm-hmm. and then what I'm saying is, if we had twelve fingers, <laughs> that all be single digit numbers until thirteen would be two ones. <laughs> 
<laughs> go ahead. Take a little break. You've earned it. It's quarantine. It's weird times. Go smoke some dope and play this part again. That's so because funny. Because the first double digit number would be 13. That's the cleanest way to express what I'm trying to say. Okay. I thought you were going to say, and now this is what I would like to communicate to the listeners. Am go ahead, double go ahead. Take a little break from Morning Pete. Oh my God. <laughs> He's really wonderful, but sometimes you need it in increments and that's okay. You can stop this podcast. Increments. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So anyway, college bands and Switchfoot and Christian bands. I distinctly remember my friend John Arelli telling me about this Christian band called Third Day. And he was like, Third Day? You remember Third Day? Oh my God. I love Third Day. What was their, uh, what was their song? I don't know. I remember it. I'll really? Remember, I mean, I'll, I don't I will, know if I'll remember it. It's been a long time since I've I listened used to, to Third, listen to Third Day. Day. There was also another one that was like, this okay, is here it, it is. Soul on Fire? I didn't have this no, album. No, I'm sure we need the older ones. Oh, God, maybe God of Wonders? That sounds right. God of Wonders? Yeah, go to God of Wonders. I'm going to know God of Wonders. Okay, we're going to play God of Wonders. It has 8 million plays. Good for you, Third Day. We used to do, I used to have their album, and we used to do a lot of their worship songs at church because we were super cool. This sounds like everything. Yes, it sounds like all of it. This is all of them. Ooh, Jars of Clay, too. Did you listen to Jars of Clay? Yes, I really liked his voice. He had a very Eddie Vedder voice. I remember this. It's weird to think that he's probably like 27 at this time. I know, that's cute. 27. Wait, get, wait till the chorus. I will not. Please, I know this one. The wonders beyond our majesty. You didn't do this? No. Oh my god, okay. That, I'm not turning it off because I don't like it. Or the universe I, declares your majesty. I used to sing in the worship band. You are <laughs> This is the one I had. This is the one I had. I bet I'll remember the first track. Yes. This is 96. Wow. 1996. Wow. They were going at it hard for a long time. Come on. Oh, my God. This is, this is much better than their later stuff. This is so 90s, and I love it. Good. <laughs> I'm standing by this. Yeah, that's all right. 90s third day was better. <laughs> I mean, for Christian music, this yeah. is, that's that rocks that's pretty hard. John Arelli, who I love, you were right. Third day's okay. Third day in the 90s. And 96 third day is okay. And what you wanted as little evangelicals what i wanted was music like that you could put on that wasn't overtly like you wouldn't put on like worship music yes the no. fantasy that i really had was that my friend all very name droppy of high school and college but jack hamilton who was my musician friend <laughs> who's still it's great name dropping if- was named checky okay named Checky yeah. uh would be in the car and and uh, like be like, what is this? And I'd be like, this is third day. And he'd be like, cool. And then like slowly the positive message would like seep Even, into like, him. Maybe I could love Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but if they say Jesus, like 
You said third. Have you ever listened to Jesus Freak and noticed how? And I, I'm not <laughs> like, what would people say if they knew that I'm a Jesus Freak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need the censored version. Hear that I'm a it, but, freak. But they're saying it. It's just really quiet. Hear that I'm a Jesus Freak. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that the first one, if you type in Jesus, is Kanye. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he's he's uh, really rebranded Jesus. He <laughs> literally sure has. to Jesus. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Jesus needs a rebrand. I can't do it. Jesus Christ? Is it still Christ? Jesus Yeist? Jesus Feist. <laughs> he loves Feist. One, two, three, four. I'm gonna play just the opening of Jesus Freak because like it didn't occur to me until later that like producers, and I'm not putting them down, uh would say like, look, the hottest thing right now is Nirvana. And the hottest thing is Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's the number one song. Everyone loves it. And we need a Christian version of that. Most people, I think when they hear this song, not most people, I, for a very long time, it didn't occur to me just how much of a, uh, I don't want to say a ripoff, but how they were going after that market. Mm, Listen, Listen to the opening of Jesus Freak. Oh my God. It's the same drum fill. That drum fill is a hundred percent the same. Okay, not that we need to, but that drum fill is a hundred percent the same. Where is it? Don't do this to me. This is so embarrassing. This almost never happens. (laughs) Don't worry, it happens to a lot of apps. (laughs) Here we go. Not that you need this. Everybody knows how this song sounds. Listen to the drum fill. Listen to Grohl. Listen to Grohl. He's on a roll, folks. Okay. And then... I mean, you kind of talked to her, but that's fine. You talked to her. <laughs> With the distorted megaphone. Yep. That is... And I'm not putting it down. I, I, I am sort of putting it down. Yeah. Sure. What what a lot of uh, I was taught later was to recognize when things were ripping off other things. Yeah. I I, I don't have that. Pro- Some people like hate Coldplay, for example, because they sound too much like Radiohead if you stripped away everything interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But I actually like Coldplay. I like um, Coldplay. Uh, yeah. So. Chris Martin? Is it Chris Martin? Uh-huh. Come on on. I Come on to, on. I, you ma- Come on on. We made it weird. We'll both talk to you. <laughs> I would love to talk to him about... I like, had Paul Bettany on. That's like the same thing. That's the similar. same guy. That's I'm, the same guy. He's in Coldplay. They're really similar. He's yeah. in Coldplay. Yeah. They're both like dreamy... They're both dreamy... dreamy Englishmen. Uh, Chris Martin was one of my... Not my first crushes, but like... I remember watching it they only had two albums out and I loved both of them Parachutes and Russia Blood to the Head. And then I watched like a documentary about the tour for Russia Blood to the Head or something and just a bus of blood to the tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bus of blokes to the tour. Um and I just wow. really Wow. <laughs> You, you just decided to let that one go. Yeah, well, there's a lot. There's a lot coming out. I me. understand. I'm, Morning Valerie is very different than, than Morning Peace. I get it. Um, 
but yeah, that is that's really clever. But say it again, bus bus of blokes. No, to no, the- no, bus of blokes to the tour isn't that clever. <laughs> but if you're going to make a movie about the tour of Russia Blood to the Head, you should call it a bus of blokes to the tour, <laughs> or a bus of blokes in a bed. <laughs> See, I knew you could improve it. I don't know if that's it, but it's something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I had a big crush on him. I really like his mouth. <laughs> Couldn't picture it. I love his mouth. I I only I look at mouths more than eyes, and like it'll I'll know people for years before I realize like the color of their eyes or that they have beautiful eyes or something because I'm always looking at mouths. And he has like one of those things where he says s's a little bit differently, and I love that s's. Yeah, s's. Like instead of using his his top and bottom teeth to make the s. He uses like his top and bottom lip, like an F, S. F. 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 <laughs> F. F. If F. you say F, I can do it. S. 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 <laughs> Gwyneth, can I get a discount for goop, please? <laughs> Even I can't afford this. And oh. I'm in Coldplay. <laughs> That's all I know about goop. Probably great products. <laughs> I use goop. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I mean, I just, I just remember they had a $700 rice maker, and they, they are really expensive. But they, since that like complaint, they, they have now on uh, their site like products that they really like that aren't their products that are more affordable. And you know what's on there? Tell me. Living Libations. Oh, I knew that. Best skin ever moisturizer. Go to livinglibations.com. <laughs> Is it slash weird or promo code weird? Uh, I think I it's slash know. weird. Try both. How shocked would you be if I remembered? <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Oh, okay. I'm the one that has to remember 50 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, anyway, what would you, people say if I, if they knew I was a Jesus <laughs> I have two witnessing stories with Jack Hamilton. One, I was wearing a shirt that said... Um, CK, remember how Calvin Klein was cool? Yeah. But it said Christ is King in really small letters. Again, that's what would people do if they knew I was a Jesus freak? <laughs> that's right. That's right. There was a kid in my high school named Chris. I think Chris Martin. Is that right? Could that be it? You know, those people yeah. that don't realize that what you've been saying has informed what they are saying. <laughs> Oh my god, I love like, that. Oh, the conversation just started for you and you're not paying attention. Yes. So anyway, Chris didn't go to Mustard Seeds. Uh, Mustard Seeds was the Christian Fellowship Group. We meet on Wednesdays in the <laughs> you still youth meet? section. Yeah, I still go. Nobody else is there. Uh, we called it Seeds. Um, he didn't go. I didn't see him at church. I didn't know anything about him. And uh, he would go to school in huge... Jesus novelty shirts. Wow. Like Jesus, it's the real thing, but Jesus is written like Coca-Cola or like Reese's peanut butter cups, but it says Jesus, King of Kings. Such a, this is really bringing me back. That was such a thing. But they were, I was, what would people do if they heard that I'm a Jesus freak (laughs) and I'm a, a small font Christ is King. One time I wore it. Yeah. And then Jack was like, does that say Christ is King? And to his credit, he was like, that's funny. But, like, I knew that it was now my pledge to be, like, he can be your king, too. You know what oh I mean? And, and instead I just uh, regretted my clothing choice. Yeah. But there was Chris rocking the loudest Jesus Freak apparel. Yeah. And whenever the yearbooks came out, there were so many senior quotes that were Bible verses. And I was like, where were you guys? Yeah. They were, like, sleeper Christians. Yeah. And it was all Jeremiah 29, 11, 
which I still, I know everybody knows this, but Jesus is talking, not Jesus, God, uh, Yahweh is talking to. (laughs) I know everyone knows this, but Yahweh. Yahweh (laughs) is talking to uh, the nation of Israel. Okay. Through a prophet. You should tell that scripture because okay, I Okay, for think I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. My dad had that whole scripture in his office when he was a pastor, like written on the uh, walls. I just don't, <laughs> I don't really understand. That's cognitive dissonance to me. Is on one hand, we take a verse like that, which I understand, and I'm not even going to begrudge it. It's a lovely sentiment, and I do believe that the mystery loves you and is holding you. And however your story unfolds, um, it's exactly how it should be unfolding. That's even iffy for me to say. But let's just say I understand the sentiment, and I'm not against the sentiment. Yeah. But, like, the cognitive dissonance to me is on one hand, you're saying – Look, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares, I declare. Uh, I do declare. <laughs> he's, a big, he's a big rooster. Israel, <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. The cognitive dissonance is on one hand, we're saying that's our God. And on the other hand, God sent his son and his son was brutally murdered. Yeah. Like, which is it? Right. Like the way that we just kind of go like... I don't know, man. That That's like a small example of how we're completely looking past and beyond and treating Christianity as like a holding room to save you from reality, mm-hmm. to keep you from suffering. The book of Job is bumping elbows with the book of Jeremiah. Like, yes. what do we do with that? Like, yeah. I look, and, and I'm not even, I'm sure I still do it. In fact, I'm just open about it. Uh, there are parts of the Bible I just completely uh, disregard. Yeah, I see it as a work in progress. I see it as a book that reflects a human life, meaning at the beginning you're a little too legalistic. In the middle you're pretty sloppy. Whoa. And at the end, yeah, that's not my theory. And at the end you sort of find a, a, a way to incorporate all of it. Yeah, and then Revelations, it just gets super And in Revelations you take some mushrooms. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Or that's like the DMT trip – the DMT of dying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You could have a DMT trip. I think they think the person that wrote that was in prison. Mm. Uh, so he could have been fast. It doesn't matter. But um, anyway, I, I, I still see people posting things in times of woe that are Bible verses that I'm just like, there's no context here. Yeah. <laughs> but like, sure. But we've talked about this too. And there is an element of like, you know, like my grandma for I think her entire life has wakes up at like four thirty in the morning and reads her Bible and prays for an hour. And like her understanding of the scriptures is going to be, we we've talked about this and you, you really kind of, I conceded, conceded. the point. Yeah. Cause, Cause I was like, I, I, I need someone to help me read the Bible. Yeah, because you really want to understand the context, the context, and what and, and the what history, was being said, and why it was and being the translation. Said. And of course, she is going to just a hundred percent project what she thinks the meaning is, and and she's reading it like God breathed every word, kind of reading right. it. So, like, it is a a personalized message to her that day of what she needs. And which this I, is where I'm conceding. 
I think it is. I And I've read it that way, and I think that's a cool way to read it, too. I think you could, if you center yourself and have the intention of having living spirit commune with you, you could get a revelatory experience from reading Tiger Beat. Yeah. You could get or it from... Or a fortune cookie. Or looking at a rock or a tree or yeah. anything... Because I feel like it's the it's the reaching yeah. that is authentic. In the opening to it. And the looking for it because it is right there. But I, I do have to check myself. I may have Before already I may have already wrecked myself. <laughs> because I do go like we need some academic, we need we need somebody to I don't know. I I can't read the I know a lot of the uh, Bible stuff, yeah. but it's because I have most of it is from people explaining it to me. Yeah. It's not, I can't just, I get anxious opening up the Bible and just going, I'm going to read it because frankly, I'm worried I'm going to run into a passage that I'm just like, this makes me want to walk away from this whole thing. I don't understand what, what's being said here. That's why I never really read the Bible, especially when I was a Christian. <laughs> of course. It's I, so I, much safer to read it out of the confines of the religion. Yeah. Where because I you have a chance. That's what Joseph Campbell says, by the way. You have a chance to understand wow. the text if you're not obliged to believe all of it. Yeah. I And really the like... This is why this kind of go, I'm, I've mentioned this, I think maybe even the last episode, but like this is connected to the like cherry picking that I'm into right now. I'm all over cherry picking. Be, because I remember that feeling, oh, like so viscerally of like, I can't have this belief system fall apart because then I'm just looking into a dark abyss. Yeah. And there is, and it is like. It's all or Buddh- nothing. It's Buddhism of like, there is actually no ground. It's groundlessness. Uh, and that was just too overwhelming, of course, for a this 15 is where, year old. This is where you get earnest people closing off their hearts to groups. Because it's, as, again, we're saying zero sum again. It's all or nothing. Yeah. So you're going like, look, I need the grace. I need the redemption. I need the, the peace. I need all these good things. But it says homosexuality is an abomination. So I'm sorry, Steve and Darren, you can't come to my Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it's just like, this is the problem of fundamentalism. And it's the problem of literalism. And it's the problem of tribe. I'm going to throw out all my isms. Tribalism. Yeah. Um, that's all the isms. I really, yeah, it's, it, it really is. Narcissism. <laughs> there, and not everybody, but the, certainly kind of the way I was doing it and, and maybe even the way I was taught to do it is like a fearful clinging. It's like, and it's understandable. It's like this life is scary and sometimes the mystery isn't wonderful. It is terrifying. Well, you, so you get, don't, yep. cling to your, cling to your answers so tightly and if anybody tries to take them away it really is like that's why i hated and i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it i hated the the bill maher document yeah because i'm like these people are terrified like all of us and this is their thing that they like that they are trying to hold on to i i i agree i I would think I was newly questioning my faith when that came out. And I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. It wasn't, it wasn't the right tone for me. I enjoyed seeing the parallels of the different stories and the different traditions and stuff. Um, And I like the ending. 
I actually don't end, think I finished it. So well, maybe it does like, turn beauty, beautiful. Well, no, the ending is the best part. And Bill comes out and says, I don't know. And neither do you. Mm. And I was like, well, that's yeah, beautiful like that. mysticism. That's cool. I don't think that's how he, he means it. Um, but you know what? What do I know? Um, but like whenever you're like ridiculing, that's why like it was dangerous for me to be like, can someone like your Nana just get up and read the Bible freestyle? Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about that. And that's actually what today's reading is about. Oh, great. It, it definitely applies to this. So this is... Uh, to this week's reading, I'm doing readings from just this, which is, um, it, it's not only one of my favorite Richard Rohr books, it's the one I read every day. Mm-hmm. So I love all of them. And, and a lot of them are a lot more thorough and academic, meaning they just dig deeper. But this is just like little nuggets, one page mm-hmm. nuggets. So I hope you enjoy it. This one is called No Problem to Solve. I read it to you, Valerie, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Jason Siegel did the podcast we recorded two days ago, and it really applied to some of the things he and I had talked about. So that'll be out in a couple weeks as well. Um, No problem to solve. If you watch your mind, you will see you live most of your life in the past or in the future. The present always seems boring and not enough. So to get yourself engaged, you will often create a problem to resolve, and then another and another. The only way many people know how to motivate themselves is to create problems or to need to fix something. So that's what Jason and I talked about was like, sometimes I feel uh, equanimity. I feel at peace. I feel like I have no needs. And then I start to vanish. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. I start Mm -hmm. to forget who I am. If everything is a big yes, if I can just sink like a stone to the bottom of the ocean and just be peaceful in that Mm -hmm. quiet, Mm-hmm. that's great for a while. And then my brain kicks in and goes, ego. but my ego goes, but wait, where are we? Yeah. And that's when the example I gave to Jason, I'll text somebody who I know often doesn't text me back. So I can then worry about whether or not they're going to text me back. Mm-hmm. And there I am. Mm-hmm. It's like the static comes back. I turn the bug zapper back on. Yes. And at least I have the comforting sound of the like, you don't just want to sit on your porch. You want the apparently. Yeah, you don't want the silence. That's right. I didn't want the silence because where am I? This yeah. is why people pick fights. This is why I think even myself sometimes if you have um, – if you're uh, – it's hard in COVID times to say this. But back in our old lives, you sort of enjoyed the specialness of having a cold. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a problem. It's a problem. And it's like a body problem. So I feel like – Or being hungover. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, This is also why, I mean, it's very Buddhist to admit that there is a, uh, that panic is part of the practice. And David Nickturn, who I often reference here because he's sort of a spiritual mentor to me and our dear friend. He's um, listening. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) No, he is. He is. Um, Uh, David is the last person that would go, (laughs) sort of. of. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) His Um, eyes look like flying saucers. Oh, I've never not seen his pupils fully dilated. I know. I know. His pupils are... He looks like he's on a heavy dose of MDMA. You don't know what color his eyes are because, because it's his just pupils black. are so just big. Pure, completely wide open. Oh, I miss him. Yeah, um, he's great. But yeah, he he. I talked to him after I had the 
retreat, the silent retreat where some trauma got brought up and I, and I was panicking and you might be hearing footsteps above us. I'm sorry. I'm just calling it out. Yeah. Um, and he, he said that his guru, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, um, used to tell him, like, he said, this is the pith instruction is don't panic. Don't panic. And he said that's because, like, panic. He also said, you know, because it's, it's such a Buddhist thing, it's like, if you're not panicking, you're not really practicing. Like, of panic is going to arise during your practice. That was just in my Thomas Merton reader. I wish I had it. I would read it verbatim. But he says often our own difficulties with meditation are self-created because we know oh, I love this. there's a humiliation, meaning a humbling yeah. or a letting go or a surrender that we are too scared to do. We're too scared to be the stone at the bottom of the ocean, just fine with reality or just fine with being. Yeah. So we sabotage our own meditative practice because we don't want the transformation. I say it all the time. I forget. It's in a book called Awake. The first line is, the first step to waking up is admitting you don't want to wake up, mm. which I think is completely accurate. I love that. Yeah. Should I keep reading or did you have another? No, no, please. Okay. If you can't be positively present right now without creating a problem, nothing new is ever going to happen to you. This is, this is what made me think of the reading. Mm. We can read a text like the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, but if we're not careful, if we don't clean our lens, mm -hmm. if we don't empty our minds, empty our egos, and I don't mean you can't study these things academically. I mean, if you're trying to let them get into your heart, like I hoped third day would <laughs> like <laughs> osmosize into Jack Hamilton's heart. Mm -hmm. If we can't look at them in the way that the mystics look, quietly and with humility and with surrender... All you're going to see is yourself. The same way when I watch The Born Identity, I go, that's me. By the way, side note, I think the future of movies is going to be deep fake technology where everyone in the theater will be wearing glasses where they see their face on the hero. Oh, wow. I think the Leela is going to think it's absurd that I used to watch movies About and pretend I was sort of like Jason Bourne when we have the technology just put you in the movie. Whoa, that's very interesting. And then upload other faces. I could upload your face onto the love interest and just watch a movie wow. about my life without any of the lifting. Isn't that weird? That is weird. And I think that's true. But I also think that a lot of people wouldn't like that. Like some. Well, I won't because that's I like the that way. I like the way I'm used to. But also, I, I think that there... Well, maybe I hope that there's so much... Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's self-love or like just vanity but that you have to i think it's stupidity if you're like i have to actually see myself in this character i need to see myself on this character's face to be invested but, but i am also thinking there's a solidarity to like projecting where you're like i'm like this person i'm not this person Right. Would I want my face on Daniel Plainview? I kind of want... You need those moments where you go, well, I'm not like that. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. Um, nothing new is ever going to happen to you. You will only experience what you already agree with and what, does, and what does not threaten you. You will never experience the unexpected depth and contentment that is always being offered to you. And as I'm reading this, I'm remembering it's being offered to me right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm reminding everyone listening that that mystery, that pulse, that oomph of life 
is reaching out to you. That's why I'm saying mm-hmm. your Nana, it's the reaching out that matters. Yeah. No, no method will be perfect. My academic stroke, translation stroke, meditative practice is also not perfect. They're all just children's drawings that God puts on the refrigerator anyway, yeah. because it was the effort that mattered. I got that also from Richard Rohr. <laughs> um, and you will never experience. Okay. Notice that the scripture, sorry, it's going to get a little uh, Christian-y, but. But so far this episode has been very Christian-y. So uh, if you're still here, <laughs> yeah, this won't phase you. <laughs> Notice that the scriptures, this is awesome though. Listen to these examples. The scriptures present God as a thief or a master who returns before being expected. Uh, That's Matthew 24. Um, I love that. When I'm, if you've noticed, if you get up as I did two nights ago here in Lake Arrowhead, because I heard a weird noise, I wonder if we should tell Iris to maybe not be in that room. I think that's the kitchen or the living room. No, the kitchen. That's the kitchen. You want to just shoot her a text while I make this benign point? Sure. (laughs) When you think there's someone breaking into your house, uh, you might be scared, but boy, are you present. <laughs> yes. That's what I like about that is like Jesus and a lot of Zen masters would, would pride being alert. It's the thing he says to the disciples before he's crucified. It's the last thing he says. He says, stay awake, stay alert. Um, so a thief or a master returns before being expected or who even, and I hadn't heard this one, puts on an apron, sits them at a table, and waits on them. That's Luke 12. Do you realize what an extraordinary notion of God Jesus must have had to talk that way? God waiting on us. No problem to solve, just an immediate intimacy to enjoy. That is just not... I had the thunderbolt, angry, stop touching your ding-dong God. (laughs) I never had the like... Maybe maybe do stop touching your ting dong long enough to sit at the table and let me serve you. Let me serve you the real stuff, not not just that stuff, but like not just TV and movies and sugar and caffeine or booze or weed. Like just sit and let me serve you my menu, uh, wow. like at a sushi restaurant where you just say, "Trust me." Uh, it is such a moment that can elicit both awe and surrender. I'm sorry. It is just such a moment that can elicit both awe and surrender from you. Awe before the utterly undeserved and unexpected and some sweet surrender to the fact that it might just be true. I love that. I love that. I love that so much. That even involves the doubt. People say faith without works is dead. I would say faith without doubt is dead. Like you're saying practice without panic is dead. Like it might just be true. Can, Can you accept that dish? Yeah. It might have uni in it. It might be served in a little wonton soup spoon and it's chilled and you're strained. But can you trust <laughs> the divine waiter long enough to eat it and go like, look, all I do in life is look for things that reaffirm things that I already believe. Mm-hmm. And those things were hardwired in my first 22 years. Mm-hmm. I look for things that don't threaten or scare me. Mm-hmm. And this this force that's creating new strands of things to this day, new, and who knows what it's doing in other galaxies, on other planets. It is constantly moving forward into the new, into the, the abstract, into the new colors, the new adaptations, the new evolutions. Can you surrender all of your, your bullshit to like, let something new be served to you? And that comes so much less from our, uh, academic mind and our intelligent mind and our understanding mind. 
Here's something Richie said. Only the part of you that is God can know God. Uh, Fucking mic drop. Yeah. Your brain won't ever get it. My practice won't ever be perfect. But if I'm still enough to let the sediment drop, the part of me, the animating force in me can know the animating force. Only subject to subject, never subject to object. It has to be I, thou. It can't be I, it, or I, he, or I, she, or me here and it there. Only the part of me that is God can know God. Mm. This podcast is done. Morning, Pete. Gets it done. 14 minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even saying getting it done. I, that, I've, just, I've made enough of my point. I will now uh, try to settle down <laughs> and, and let my love talk more because no. you are the best part of this podcast. Yeah, right. Everybody says that. No way. And I love you. And forgive me. <laughs> no. I, I, I can't, I can't read. I can't read a couple pages of just this without getting into a, a, a fever, but I'm done with my fever. <laughs> I got a fever. Uh, no, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I, I mean, I think that's it. There's like every, just, it, this is how I feel about every reading from, from just this, or even just like three sentences from, from Richard Rohr, from any book. You're like, somehow that contains the whole truth. <laughs> that's right. It's so that's beautiful. People are like, which one should I read? I'm like, any of them. Just read just anything, any listen to anything. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there is, that's just such a perfect way to put it. And the whole, the whole thing about not, this isn't a problem. Oh, that's what I was going to say. No problem to solve. I, I've been practicing asking myself, you know, in moments of panic or in moments of anxiety or stress, uh, two questions. What if this isn't a problem? What if this isn't a problem? I love that. Or what if this isn't a flaw is another great way. What if that's, it reminds me of when Ram Dass said to me, I love my anger. Yeah. Yeah. And he says in a a great East Forest track, he says, when you have an unthinkable thought, Mm -hmm. like an ugly, maybe it's murderous, maybe it's perverted, who knows, however you judge it. You you love it, yeah, because you are not it. That's it. So you That's just it. say, "I see you," like a like a bratty child. Yeah, I see you. You don't punch a bratty child. No, you give it a cookie, you tussle its hair, and you say, "Okay, I see you. I love you." I don't know if this is my therapist's phrase or if she got this from somewhere, but she says you tend and befriend each feeling that arises. Tend and befriend. Isn't that so sweet? That's beautiful. And I had that, the therapy sitting right here, listening to the rain yesterday. And I, I just want to say like, I always talk about this and, and I can rarely do it, but I had one of those rare moments uh, yesterday where I really was sitting with some very uncomfortable feelings that were arising and I was just trying to accept each one of them. And it helps to have another person who you can say like, okay, there's anxiety. And she's and, and then like she suggests, is there a feeling of safety that we can offer? And then I, offer, I offered that safety and then that was met with sadness. So then I say, okay, there's some sadness. And she says, of course there is when an unmet need is being met. There's often grieving that 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 need was unmet, mm. and to have somebody else validate that, like hear it and validate it, makes it easier for you to accept. And so I just like it. The moment that she said that, it was like going through like a tight space, 
and then like just open air. Like as soon as I was able to accept the sadness, the anxiety, all of the, I'm rushing the process, by the way, this took an hour. Mm. (laughs) Um, All of the feelings that were happening inside me, I just felt so spacious. Mm. So the feelings didn't change. That's so important for me to remember. They didn't go away. It's not about, yeah. Like I, I will often in my practice be like, I'm going to open towards this fear or I'm going to open towards this uh, and turn towards the sadness. And, and then like, but really I'm looking for them to change. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if I can really get to a place where I'm just accepting them without rushing them. So I used to, my practice used to be sitting with feelings and allowing them to come up and then say, thank you, I release you. Mm-hmm. But even that had a little bit of a scooting out the door. Yep. So now I'll say, like, thank you, I see you. Thank you, you're welcome here. And there's just no, it's an open-ended, like, visit. It's yeah. allowed. It's allowed. Well, you told me it's allowed. It's allowed to stay as long as it needs to. And you said Jack Cornfield taught you, like, make it bigger. Yeah, I'll invite it to expand. And, sh- and and another thing that Tara Brock says is like, say, um, sh- show me how big you are. Mm. Um, when you're dealing with trauma feelings, by the way, that's not the best to do if you're if you're not with somebody with a therapist or uh, somebody you can co-regulate with. Um, but isn't that funny? It's like drugs you do inside. Yeah. Like that's advice you would give somebody to take drugs. Mm. You'd be like, you got to do it in a controlled environment, make sure you're safe and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, there's things you can just do quietly inside that need a warning label. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It's powerful. Um, But so I was able to just feel, I was feeling so spacious and I can even kind of get back into that place. So all of the feelings and sensations were happening, but they just, I had no problem being with them because there was the identification was different. So the way I was relating to them was different. And I, I like laughed and I went, Oh my gosh, there's such a relief knowing that this sadness isn't a problem. I don't have to do anything. No problem to solve. No problem to solve. And I felt a, I felt my body like holding it. She used the word cradle because there is kind of a holding that you can do that's not great where you kidnap the feelings in your body. Mm. Um, but like my body was like cradling it like a baby. Cradling Speaking of which, you might feelings. hear our baby crying faintly in the background. I apologize to parents <laughs> yeah. who think that that's their baby. And I hats off to you, Val, for keeping your I know train of thought. I know she's safe and good. She's, and she, she loves Iris, but um, yeah. she's crying. Um. But yeah, so I... But it didn't go away and give it space. And give it space. And uh, oh yeah, and just like there is a a feeling of love that comes to it. When you are not identified with it, it like allows compassion and love to, to enter and to be like, okay, I can hold this. This clearly wants my attention. Right. But it's hard to have that compassion when you are identified with your sadness. You know what I mean? Like it, it's that you need a little bit of space from it. Um, and, and I, it just was so nice. It was such a gift to get to experience that. And then like I had a million other, or at least, you know, 18 other Valerie's that happened that day. It's not like I just stayed in that wonderful space. 
Um, but it's, it's, I was like, oh yeah, this is why, why you practice this is to just constantly try to remember the spaciousness around the feelings. That's right. And that there is no problem, but the feelings aren't a problem. Because when you give it space, you can see how it exists in relation to something else, something bigger. If something exists inside you, you are bigger than it. You that's are right. its host. That's right. That's the that's <laughs> the thing that I always say, quoting my therapist, like, I am so much bigger than any feeling that can move through me. And it's, it's the visitor. Yeah, it's yeah. just the visitor and I'm the guest house and like and I can be a hospitable guest house because I know that it's just coming and then it's going to leave. Right. And um and that it, it actually poses no threat. So the so I said the first question is what if there's no problem here or what if this isn't a flaw? And then the other one is what if there's actually nothing to be afraid of? Mm. <laughs> Which is just so big for me because I'm, I can, there's a part of me that is afraid of everything. And if I can go, yeah, there will always be a part of me, my brain or my ego that is afraid, but that's just a part of me. And I actually know better. It's like a furnace in a house is always hot. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. I like that. It's like, yeah, this part of your car's engine is always sharp. Yeah. And instead of spending all my time trying to convince that part of me, it's like inside out, which I feel like we quote all the time. Um, You know, if you were, if you've seen inside out, Bill Hader's character is fear. Instead of trying to like talk fear down and, and reason with it and be like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Just be like, okay, you have a seat at the table. Right. You can, you're, but you are one of many voices. That's right. It's it's one of the hardest parts of that movie is when Joy is trying to get sadness to not be sad. Yes. By being like, come on, and it's like dancing. She's dancing and stuff, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, ugh. It's why it's such an important and powerful movie. Yeah. But it's it goes back to the fingers, our pinky fingers fitting perfectly in our ears and noses. I can't wait to hear how. Here it comes. <laughs> if. We are going to just blindly accept the grace of the perfect pinky. And I'm not saying this is just like lightning bolt came from a cloud where God was sitting and made man with the pinky. We evolved. And what we're saying, this is a process that's unfolded that's resulted in pinkies that fit our nose, right? Yeah. So so it is with our internal world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. There still might be a thumb that doesn't fit up your nose. But there is a pinky that does. And if we're going to enjoy picking our nose with our pinkies every once in a while, we need to also accept the internal uh, system as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's really well put. You want to read a, a quick? I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick, but you can you can host. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. I guess I can I can host. Um, oh, I wanted to say I brought the book that I was referencing last week that I couldn't totally remember the name of or the um, author. So it is Trauma Sensitive Mindfulness, and it's by David A. Uh, I'm not going to know how to say this name right. Trelevin. Trelevin. It's T-R-E-L-E-A-V-E-N. So Trauma Sensitive Mindfulness for anybody who is like, Every time I meditate, I feel worse than uh, when I started or I can't meditate without pra- uh, panicking or, um, you know, it's it's overwhelming when I meditate. I'm not saying that 
that you definitely have like unresolved trauma, but that even if, even if it isn't trauma, even if there's some other reason why practicing mindfulness is not the things that it promises (laughs) for you, this is a great book. And there's a lot of, um, it goes into like kind of what is happening. And then it also goes into the practices that you can do that are a little bit safer, safer, more grounding. Um, and Pete is almost here, but I can just keep, this is like a filibuster. <laughs> I just turned the sink on and turned it back off. So everyone would think I washed my hands. I saw that, but it was so quick. No, but these aren't fools. They're no fools. <laughs> They're no fools. Okay. You have good questions. Oh, I, were you going to read something or you were just, you were just dropping some truth? No, I just wanted to give the information. How would you say this last name? Trelevin. 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 T- David A. Trelevin. He's Trey Levin. Trey Levin. Ooh, that's another great, that's sort of fun. Oh, go ahead. Richie was like, Jesus always talked about his followers or, or people that sort of start to wake up to the kingdom of heaven or whatever as Levin. And leaven in bread is obviously the agent that makes it rise. But it's also a grotesque minority of, mm. of the dough. Mm. And, and Richie is like, Jesus, every, by all accounts, Jesus had no intention of this becoming like a worldwide phenomenon, ah. which you see in some of the cooler religions, like Zen Buddhists and stuff aren't like, let's make everybody Zen Buddhists. They have an understanding of balance. People who are Zen Buddhists, people who aren't Zen Buddhists, people who are yeah. monks, people who are not monks. So did Jesus. That's cool. But we've turned it into this like, we got to pave the information Jesus highway yeah. and make it reach everywhere. And, and, and by the way, that doesn't mean that the other parts of the dough aren't beloved yeah. and important and inherently dignified and beautiful. But there are all these little clues that Jesus would just like, look, there's going to be some people whose job it is to keep certain lamps lit. Yeah. Not to say that other lamps, the lamps of good times and good meals and, and hikes and, and time that's spent not navel gazing aren't good lamps to keep lit. But some people are charged like yeah. the shamans in the jungle who remember the recipe for ayahuasca long before it became the cultural phenomenon in San Francisco with dot com executives. <laughs> These people would explain it as like we keep certain ancient lamp- lamps lit. Mm. It was never supposed to be T-shirts that say Jesus, it's the real thing necessarily. Yeah. It was always supposed to be this like small group that kept the world from being completely unconscious or lost in certain respects. Wow. Isn't that fun? That is really fun. Also, that was like, there was just like a vortex of uh, serendipities that just happened there. One is, I mentioned that my brother and my ex-husband used to be in quasi-Christian bands together. One of those bands was uh, was called Unleavened. Unleavened? <laughs> yeah, they, they wouldn't want me to tell you that because I'm sure they're embarrassed about that. That's so funny. But but it's crazy that you mentioned Leavened. Yeah, then, it's funny. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder. Yeah, it's interesting. Unleavened bread is what you eat at Passover. Yeah. So it has that like religious 
yes. feel. Yeah, but it's also like a mysterious word if you're not religious. I'm also pretty sure that unleavened bread, like a lot of things at Passover, the horseradish and the and the wine and all these things are to remember like bitterness, like times of depravity. Well, that sounds like they knew that, I think. Oh, really? Interesting. I don't know. No, that, that's okay. I just got it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And then as I was thinking that, I opened to the picture of David A. Trelevin. <laughs> And doesn't he look like my brother? He does. If your brother was at one end of a hallway and Ari Shafir was at the other and they ran into each other. <laughs> anyway. Fun. All right. Well, the first question. Yeah. No. Uh, let's do questions. Well, we're here in Lake Arrowhead. Yes. And the first question is, where are you guys exactly in Lake Arrowhead? <laughs> I'm just kidding. As if anybody cares. What is the address I want to murder you? <laughs> um, uh I'm already waiting for God like he's a thief. Now I got to wait for this guy. <laughs> the first night we were here, the the door, which I had locked, just like the very creaky door in the middle of the night just went and just opened. Yeah. And I and in a split second, in a split second, like while I was still asleep, I just like reached over and touched Pete. And I immediately upon touching went, it's fine. Yeah. And we were like really baffled at all of the things that our bodies did in like a millisecond. So in my full sleep. Like we even remembered our roles as parents. Yes. I remembered my role as the larger of the two. And I had to put my hand like over to wake you up, but like also arcing over Leela. Leela, like protecting my family. Uh, But I was like, how did I go from being fully asleep to hearing a creak? knowing that that meant the door was opening and that it shouldn't be opening and that that could mean danger. And the move to do was to put the hand over my baby and to wake up my husband Yeah, <laughs> in like a millisecond. We have incredible instincts. Also last night, Leela was, Oh, Leela's going every few months. She's gone through a phase where she becomes more of a genius, but she sleeps terrible. She sleeps terrible. And like the way that that looks is, In fact, I think this is our second cycle of this since starting the podcast. Mm. I think when we started this, we would mention like Lee hasn't been sleeping great. This is, this is, so we've had one, we've gone, gotten through it, had like a couple months of peace and now we're back in another cycle. Yeah. It's been that long of a quarantine. That she wakes up. Well, this is our third in the quarantine. She wakes up and like demand, like, will not let you sit down. And I was thinking that this is like last night when I was holding her for an hour, a 35 pound two year old, uh, standing up. And anytime I tried to sit down, she'd go, no, no, no. Like from a deep sleep, I guess it wasn't that deep, but she would seem asleep. And then I would sit down and she would go, no, 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 like it sleeping. (laughs) No, like it. Um, no, like it. I know it makes me miss her. But but I was like, this feels like a Nixium test. Like, remember how they used to, in the, the documentary, The Vow, the cult Nixium would like, they had the masters and the slaves and they would have to do random things like get up at two in the morning and do push-ups and stuff. Yeah. It was like, get up at, it felt like a, that kind of torture. It was like, get up at one in the morning and hold 35 pounds in the freezing cold dark it's so cold. And like you can't put it down and you have to do it for an hour. It was it was brutal. And then you gave her to me. Well, but before that, she was I it was like my final 
effort to lay down on the bed because I had let her be asleep for like 30 minutes <laughs> before I tried again. And I lay down on the bed and she goes, no, 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 no. And then I get up and, and then I was like very whiny and pathetic at that point. I was like, I can't, she won't let me lay down. And I have to. And, yeah. and so Pete was like, went to use the bathroom before he took over. Well, I thought I was facing another 90 minutes and I didn't want to have to go pee pee. Yeah. And, uh, there's a towel, a, like uh, rod iron towel rack here. Cause we don't know where we are. It's dark. It's, it's an Airbnb. Dark. So he kicked it and it sounded like the loudest, scariest noise. And kicked it sounded like I did an anger. I oh, bumped, no. into bumped into it into by it. accident yes. on my way back from yes. the bathroom. Sorry. No, sorry. And all of this <laughs> is to say Leela's reaction to it was, it was ha- her, she like, like, like shook out of a sleep and grabbed onto me. And it was so impressive to watch her natural reaction because it it felt like it was happening at the exact same time that you bumped into it. Like mm. not right after. It was like. Exact her, one for one. Yeah. Her instincts were so fast. Just like you. So it is almost like a pinky finger nose situation where like our design to be on alert if we think we're in danger is so impressive. It is. I usually like am so mad at my fight or flight instinct because it's happening when there is no danger. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a moment to appreciate like there is a purpose for this and I'm glad that my daughter has it. And anyway, the end of that story is that you took her. Well, then I took her. I showed her the iron thing where I kicked and I was like, this is what I kicked. And I made the sound again. That's what I would want someone to do. Yeah, it was great. And then I just tried sitting on the bed and she was fine. And I laid down and she fell asleep on me. Yeah. It was a really weird feeling. (laughs) It was very I felt bad, but also grateful. (laughs) Like, yeah, to somebody who is not allowed to sit down for an hour, I give her to Pete, went to the bathroom and came out and they're laying perfectly in a snuggle on the bed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Parenting. Parenting boy. It oh, is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Crime boy. I don't know. Oh, Westway. Nice Westway. Nice. Uh, um, okay. So we're in Arrowhead. And if we, if I, this is, this all sort of goes back to like Pete is not a great revelation of my life. Sort of goes back to the reading is Pete, as I know him, my construct of past experience, my intellect, my ego, my personality, that tapestry that mm-hmm. I call Pete. Um, he is not always the best at steering my life, Mm. which is so weird, but I have to depersonalize from that collective of information and say, there are things that I need that this thing will never give me. One of those of course is suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is Richie says that truth comes to us through great love and great suffering, both great love and suffering come to us usually in spite of who we are, they, they, mm. they're sort of occasions, mm. they're happenings, they're random, or, or they feel random. Um, and, and But less esoteric than all that is I just have a mode where I'm like, I, we're in our house. Um, I take valerian root to sleep, for example. I like knowing where my valerian is. I like knowing where the toothbrush is. Uh, I like knowing... I can go in the back and work. I like knowing where we can order food from, where the grocery store is. I like our bed. Our bed has a foot warming feature mm-hmm. that I've become really, really addicted to and I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I like comfort. That's yeah. sort of my nine-ness yeah. on the Enneagram. Yeah. And left to my own devices through an entire quarantine, 
I would go, what is the problem? Just stay home. Like I have that. Yeah. What is the problem? Just stay home. Yeah. I understand a lot of people have way bigger problems with this, but I sort of have a mode that's like, that's not that hard for me. In fact, I can even be an achiever at this and just stay home really good mm-hmm. and still go on walks and stuff, safe walks, masked walks and go to the grocery store and all that. I, I'm not talking about paranoia here. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the the construct that I know is Pete doesn't mind life being brought into two dimensions where things are so simple and predictable. Mm -hmm. And then we do these podcasts and we're like, Hey, we're in Lake Arrowhead or we're in Ojai or wherever we are. It's always Valerie. (laughs) The story that I always give is when we went to New York for press, I would go to one place in New York that had the food that I liked. And then uh, you liked it too. And then the next day, I was like, let's just go to that place again. Mm -hmm. Because food, especially when I'm doing press or performing, is so much about how it makes me feel. It's not really about like trying a new cuisine or something. I'm just trying to feel fueled to do what I have to do that day. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the great lesson has been able to talk to the construct that I know as Pete, meaning I am the host body of that collection called Pete, which means I am bigger than Pete and I can have a word with that thing that I call Pete and say, as I have with many relationships in my life, I go, just listen to Valerie. (laughs) It won't make any sense, but you have to trust me, whatever I am talking to Pete, I'm saying, just listen to Valerie. And then we get here and I do have thoughts of like, why am I dry? There's snow. It's dangerous. <laughs> like we thought we had to put chains on our tires. We pulled off a really nice man named Steve helped us put the chains on. Shout out to Steve. Steve, local Steve. He was so sweet and nice and helped us without us even asking. I was like, this yeah. is what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's just good. Ran- and I even said to him, I was like, hey, this is your good deed. And he went, they all count. And I was like, oh. Steve, are you Buddha? Yeah. So Steve was great. And that was a great moment. And then somebody, uh, one of the highwaymen came and was like, those are going to wreck your car. You can't, those are and the wrong had, kind of chains. And we had four wheel drive, so we didn't even need it. Then anyway. we didn't even need them. <laughs> so I'm driving in the dark on a road, cars behind me. Uh, I was fine, but it could have been worse. Yeah. If it had been snowing or icy, it yeah. could have been worse. So that's the scenario that the construct we know as Pete is always saying, don't go to Arrowhead. Mm. You'll be on a road skidding out Mm. and you'll end up stranded and frozen. Mm. Not that you'll die, but it'll be unpleasant. So just stay home. Yeah. Why? This is really the voice. Why go somewhere where you don't know where your toothbrush is? You don't know where the valerian is or if you even packed it. You don't know how to get food. Why go there just to watch TV somewhere else? Mm. And we don't watch a lot of TV, but at night we watch TV. And I'm like, hey, this is very similar to what we were doing there. But now we're paying. Listen to this voice, though, and know that it's not the full me. Now we're just paying money to do what we were doing there here, but we're cold and there's Mm -hmm. snow. And I'm afraid that there'll be a big snowfall and we won't be able to get home. Mm -hmm. That's one of the voices. The other voice is we took Leela out in her little snow pants and we did snow angels and we threw snowballs and she was filled with joy and it's not even about the photographs we just had pure present pure communion god was seating us at the table and serving us i don't just mean what we were doing i mean the atmosphere and the tone 
and the frequency that was created by what we were doing. Mm. And the novelty had a lot to do with that. And the snow was amazing. And we started talking about our early snow memories and, and we're having this great conversation and the air is clean and the snow is clean. And, and I'm going, and then I say to the construct known as Pete, I say, see, this is why we listen to Valerie. Aww. And by the way, even if we are snowed in or the car crash or like skids off the road and breaks the taillight or whatever, <laughs> still listen to Valerie. But all of that, I'm sort of going in reverse order. Um, Grant said, hi, Pete, on the next We Made It Weird, I'd love to hear you and Val talk about how you've spotted hints of Asperger's in yourself. Mm. I'm 32 and just now beginning to accept my differences after doubting and denying the clear signs of my neurodiversity for decades. Wow. What signs have you noticed and have you always been aware to some extent? Peace and love. Um, So I really wanted to talk about that. Yeah. And I also, I know this is morning, Pete, but like Grant, this is such good work. It doesn't matter if we're going inside to look at neurodiversity, Mm -hmm. if we're going inside to address our tendency to overeat Mm -hmm. or our relationship with alcohol or our relationship to our anger, or our feelings, or our fear. Like, going inside to look for Aspie feelings is as noble and as beautiful as going inside and looking for enlightenment or looking for God. And the courage that Nick Turn says, don't panic, required, it's a noble thing, is what I want to say. And it's not a shameful thing. Mm -mm. There's... There's, I remember when I was like, I, I posted about Mulaney. I was sending him love because he's in rehab and people were like, well, don't draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. I was like, rehab is not embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Addiction is not embarrassing. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a disease and they're in the hospital, are we embarrassed of this? Right. I had a whole thing about that. I was like, that is the voice of my youth being like, don't navel gaze. And if you're divorced, don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. if you have doubt, don't talk about it. And if you have shame or lust or this or that, don't talk about it. Certainly yeah. don't talk about getting help for your addiction. Right. Like, excuse me. No, I refuse. <laughs> I deny the premise of your comment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Similarly, I'm feeling, Grant, I could be wrong, a little bit of embarrassment that you're like, oh, I am neurodiverse. I like that you use that term as, a, mm-hmm. as opposed to neuroatypical or something mm-hmm. negative, as if everybody, I think so many more people have things like this than they are letting show or making public. I remember notably Seinfeld said that he felt Aspie. Mm-hmm. I know Chris Rock has come out and, and been like, I am Aspie. But mm-hmm. Seinfeld went back on it. I understand he's a public figure. But what I would like to introduce for you, Grant, and for everybody and for me is a spectrum. Yeah. And it is a spectrum. Right. I know they have that. And be like, there's incredibly mild versions of that. Yeah. And when I notice that I have a mode that's just like, I want to just ha- have things be simple because people are too complicated. When you say, let's drive to Lake Arrowhead, I tree graph all of the ways that that could go funky yeah. and bad and mm-hmm. dangerous in a way that makes me think that my brain, it really serves me as a storyteller and as a creative person. Although Chris Rock said the same thing, everything that makes him aspy is what makes him funny. Yeah, Looking at things black and white, arguing one side too hard, mm-hmm. missing cues. Some of the cues you might be missing are there's 11,000 people in the stadium. I should be afraid. Yeah. So that's going to help him in that situation. Yeah. Um, and I, I, without, I don't even know if I can answer, certainly the topic, I can't answer it, but just talking about it 
and not being embarrassed and not even needing, in my case, I don't need the full diagnosis to find comfort in going, I know there are certain brains that work this way. And the more I understand it, the less confused and frightened I am by my own brain. And the more I can depersonalize myself from that construct and the way my brain works and goes, that's just my brain doing what it does and going, I'm going to override it. I am going to um, veto my brain in this situation, even though paranoid people are right, as Dr. Gary Penn would often say, things can go wrong. Parties can be a disaster. Maybe that person doesn't like you, but we need to go like, yes, but still, (laughs) like, but still there's a risk reward and there's more to life than just surviving life. There's more to life than just avoiding uh, things that are confusing or frightening um, and not to be like a go-getter, bootstrap motherfucker. I'm saying like the more I realize that my brain overdiagnoses danger and overdiagnoses the possibility of things going south, that's one of the ways that I see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, yeah, it is your brain. It's just your brain, with meaning that there are other parts of you and and like depending on where you are in the spectrum you might not be able to make that distinction and that's okay but like the certainly in your case and it seems like in Grant's case there is there can be awareness around all of our brains are just trying to organize things for us uh, so that we feel safe and some brains organize things in this specific way. And yeah, isn't there solidarity in the fact that we are getting awareness that's that this is a spectrum and there are so many people on this spectrum. Um, but it's, it's not, it's equal to how my brain organizes things to make things feel safe. That's like, exactly that's all my that's point. Happening. And that's to, exactly my point. And to like illustrate this, I think I can share my side of this, which is, the only difference really is that your your core negative belief is kind of like people aren't safe. The world maybe isn't safe. I'll just say people aren't safe. I, my core negative belief is I'm not safe alone. Right. And so I am like in order to feel safe, I want to like get out into the world. Like I need to be out I can't, if I'm shut in, that feels isolating to me. Mm. I feel like I'm locked in and I can't move. That's right. So we're just seeing two different interpretations of reality coexisting. Exactly. But neither one of them is right or wrong. That's exactly And that's why when we say like, I say I'm addicted to alcohol. That's why I don't drink alcohol. Richard broadens it. Richard Rohr broadens it to say, we're all addicted to our way I'm going to paraphrase, of interpreting reality. Yeah, that's right. And that's, so when someone says like, oh, you're Aspie, all we're seeing, and I've I've actually seen some Aspie people point out that taking people at their word, uh, you know what I mean, is, is, is wrong. (laughs) Like, how am I crazy? Yeah. Like I had a joke about that where people would make fun of me for being gullible. And it's because when they told me something, I believed them. Right. And somehow I'm the asshole. Yeah. That's sort of like looking back and being like, well, that's a, and I could be totally wrong. Forgive me professionals and, and people who know more about this. I'm interested in Asperger's. Uh, and different um, diagnoses or labels that we can give different ways of thinking because it shines a light on everybody has a way of thinking and 
none of them are right or normal per se. I know there's sociopathy or, or whatever, but like I'm just saying, everybody has a system and I'm very interested in identifying the system. And I find that very empowering to identify the system yeah. and not a shameful thing. Yeah. And no matter what, I think that the, the method is the same of being like, just recognizing those things as, oh, my brain is trying to protect me. Like my brain is just doing its job to try and organize things for me so that I, so that I will feel safe. Right. And like, thank you for your service. Uh, what my therapist says is like to, to just tell it, like, you don't have to do this all on your own. You can share the work with the body and with the, your, your whole nervous system and all of that. You don't have to organize everything, but even if you don't do that, just recognizing that that's what it's doing feels like just putting a little like blanket of awareness around, around the whole thing. Yeah. And, and then there are benefits like, you know, you have kept us probably way safer than I would be um, during this quarantine because you have that hyper logical, like it's not safe to be out there. Right. And so we'll, we've stayed, we've stayed in and then, well, there's also in, go ahead. And then I have offered what you said, where we're doing snow angels and, uh, with Leela and like getting a little bit of novelty because I really was like <laughs> yesterday watching Leela just teach us that the world is a wonderful place. And like, she was frolicking and laughing in snow. Never for, got old. It never, for like an hour straight with the same level of enthusiasm. Like it just didn't get old. And, and then it made me like, look at the, the soft powdery snow. And I was like, I want to fall backwards into this. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. And that moment of just like, eating life and being fully present and having novelty. It's so cliche, but like after that, I was like, I never want to see a snow pile that I don't jump in. And I never want to like see a rock that you can jump off into a lake and not do it. Like there is such a union that happens for me when I do those things. It is a way of feeling safe. Because I'm like facing a fear of life or something and seeing that there's nothing to fear. That's just how my system works. It doesn't mean that that's true for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if there is like, no, you know, stay out of the snow or stay out of the lake. I'm not here to say that that's wrong. (laughs) No, I hear that. I, I think what it is, is there is, we're always talking about humility and surrender and having the humility to notice that there is a construct that is the way that your brain Plinko's reality. Yeah. You have a situation that goes down a certain path because of the wiring of your brain. And then there's a great freedom in my case <coughs> of going, I know all you're seeing is the car skidding out, but you just need to get better and better at going. I'm going to veto mm, myself. Yeah. yeah. Vetoing myself is also saying, I know you love alcohol. Mm. I love alcohol. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. My problem is I just like to drink a whole lot of it alone. Yeah. Like that's not exactly the kingdom of heaven as I experience it, as I have experienced it. Yeah. So, yeah. And I I don't really know when it first started showing up and I still don't know if I'm using it correctly. I will say when I watched Asperger's R Us, which is a documentary, 
that uh, Mark, Dupl- Mark and Jay Duplass, I think, produced. Mm-hmm. I, I related to those guys. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of Asperger's-like symptoms in a lot of comedians mm-hmm. uh, that I know. And then instead of doing the thing of going like, look at these weirdos going like, wait, that's, those are my people. There might be something going on here. Yeah. But just like any superhero story, I do see a way of leaning into it in a way that serves you. And when it doesn't serve you when possible, noticing, wait, I'm, I'm trapped. It was Mm -hmm. like the reading it, nothing new. Um, it, you will only experience what you already agree with and what does not threaten you if you can't be positively present. So presence is the great way of going like, stop thinking about life and just settle into it. Yeah. I heard Ramda say, you know, get out of this habit of saying good days and bad days. There's only the moment. Wow. There's only the moment. And every moment is a fresh opportunity to sit at the table and be served and be served. Yeah. Wow. It's also like the Muji thing of like, you have a blah moment and then you just decide that that's a blah day. Because you want the problem. You want the problem. Because now you're fixing it like a hangover. You're trying to shake the blah day. And I'm not saying I don't have blah moments. And sometimes that blah moment is four or five hours, but I don't have to go ahead and say, well, that's the day I had a blah day. Yeah. That's like when you are trying to not eat candy and then you eat candy and then you go, well, I might as well eat candy all day today because I'll just start over tomorrow. Like, yeah. Because the earth went around the sun? Yeah. Like just start now. That's the liberation of 32 pizza a day or 30 or 20 valeries a day is yeah. – and that's another saying that has been useful for me, like a, like these weird mantras that I have. Uh, like I'll feel anxious and I'll go, eh, I'll feel something different later. <laughs> I love that. Like, because really what you're saying is I'm actually none of the 20 Valerie's. But, I am the one that's seeing all. But of seeing that there are 32 Pete's is what helps you realize that there is no Pete. Yeah. Yeah. If it's ethereal, if it's changing, if it's metamorphosizing, the whole reason that I'm obsessed with spirituality is it asks the question, what doesn't change? Yeah. What doesn't change? Think of a memory when you were young. Was there a sense of being? Yes. So even when you were a child, you felt a sense of being, and that sense of being is still here now. That's why when they're like, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I think they're talking about the Christ. They're talking about the big, the big Jesus, the big energy, yeah. the thing that he woke up to realize union with mm-hmm. that is also looking out your eyes right now. Mm-hmm. So the more we know about our brains, the better and the more capable we are of transcending them mm-hmm. in ways, not just spiritually beneficial, but also get you playing in the snow and blowing up a, a sled that looks like a, a polar bear. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Do you it. have any questions? I feel pretty good. Yeah, I feel good. I, I, um, I can read a poem and we can be done. Or, I mean, if, if there were more questions, I'm happy to. Oh, I, I don't, I don't have any questions. I, I feel like we packed it in cause it was. Oh, somebody asked, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who, um, somebody asked about a morning ritual. Like if I had any kind of, and I feel like they mentioned anxiety in the mornings or maybe I, I projected that part onto it, but that's like a quick one that I wanted to share. Um, the the morning ritual, if I don't have a morning ritual, 
so in other words, the, the more, the way that my body reacts to mornings in general, if I don't do anything often is, um, I wake up, I'm like kind of foggy and gooey for a few minutes and then my brain will remember that anxiety is a thing hmm. and like hypervigilantly look for it. Oh my God, like, that's me. What yep. it looks for, it will find, of course. Yep. So then I'll start to feel anxious and uh, and then it's like I can really get into this cycle of what do I need to make myself feel different? I'll drink a, a thing of water. I'm probably dehydrated and then I'll drink some coffee and then I'll, you know, I'll try to like go outside or whatever, but I'm like doing it like kind of behind myself, trying to like fix, fix this problem of anxiety. So that's clearly not the best. (laughs) Hmm. So instead what I've been doing is um, just in that like moment that you're laying in bed before you get up, I have been actually trying to bring my attention to my feet first of all, mm. because the, for, that brings my awareness to my body, but like your core, your chest and your stomach is where all of the activation happens usually. So the parts of you that are furthest geographically from your core are, are kind of the most grounding. And then of course your feet are the, the part that is touching the ground the most often. So I'll like feel my toes, I'll wiggle my feet, I, I like bring my attention to my feet and then kind of to my legs and to my fingers and my arms. And my mind will be like, oh, are we going to feel anxious? And I go, oh, thank you for, for keeping a lookout, but we're okay right now. And then if anxiety does appear, uh, I just try to welcome it and, and say things like, I'll feel something different later or hmm. every moment is different or this too, I can accept this too. Um, and then if I can, if I have time, I'll do stretches where I just am letting my body lead the stretch. Like where does it want to stretch? Oh, it wants a cat cow right now or it wants spinal circles and just really try to like address my body's needs first thing in the morning. And that keeps me from my mind. It's almost like my mind uh, tries to grab the mic before, Mm. before anything else can. And if I just let it, it will. And then it'll kind of have the mic all day. Mm. Um, So if I can be there to sort of chaperone and give my body the mic, um, that really helps. Yeah. That that reminds me of, I, I said this last week, but like the thing that's so important to me is trying to read something before any phones or emails. Because I remember in the four arguments for the elimination of television, Jerry Mander talks about um, the medium is the message and what the medium is communicates so much to you. And he makes this really interesting point that like driving in a car, now we're reading billboards uh, because billboards are designed for car time. Yeah. But like walking is designed for like trees and clouds slow and and it's gentle. So while there's nothing wrong with driving a car, there's nothing wrong with looking at your phone. They recalibrate your whole system mm-hmm. to a different speed. And a phone is like reply now, alert now, mm-hmm. story now, news headline now. So it just gets you in this mode that you can't really keep up for the whole day without burning out by mm-hmm. the end of it at least. So reading is so boring and so slow, but it gives you this opportunity to reclaim 
your your nervous system yeah. and be like, this is how I'm going to approach all of this. This book asks nothing of me. There's no way I can reply to this author. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just read the words, just a few words, and then face the day with a little bit of perspective Yeah, uh, makes a huge difference. But I love that feet thing. Also, if I can start the day with anything that like opens my heart. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just mentioned the bare minimum because I we have a toddler, so sometimes that's all I have time for. But if I can read something that like really opens my heart, like Mary Oliver or Anne Lamott or Richie Rohr, um, I really it's it just sets the tone for the whole day. That's it. Yeah, and oh, I was going to tell you this. This is what I do in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I got up with Lee this morning. Very difficult, still dark, very cold. And what I say, sometimes I say, yes, thank you. That's a helpful mantra to me, even though like you're resisting and you hate it. You say, yes, thank you. That's a good one. But lately what I've been saying is this is the hard part, meaning Mm. just get through this. Yeah. I just saw this thing where like hitting your snooze button is a terrible idea. Going back to bed for five minutes after you wake up is a terrible idea because your body releases all these hormones that prepare it for another bout of deep sleep. Mm. So there's something about just going, this is the hard part. Mm -hmm. This part is going to suck. I surrender to that. And then just doing it. And then next thing you know, you've had a pee, you've had some water, you have some coffee, the sun comes up and you're through it. And just acknowledging this is the hard part can be really uh, a great part of my morning routine now. I love that. Um, all right. Should I read this? Yeah, read the poem. I, uh, okay. So this is Mary Oliver's book, Devotions, which is music? kind of her, sure. It's kind of her life's work. I mean, it is. It's so it's, I don't know where this poem was originally from, but it's in the book Devotions. Um, and I want to say that I just opened up to it. <laughs> oh, but now I'm opening up to another one. Okay, can I read two? Yeah. Okay. I So the way that I selected these, I haven't read either of these poems yet. I just like opened it up and glazed over some some keywords and uh, and was like, yes, these. And this, as usual, is East Forest. This is his album, Held Slash Kindred. Okay, this one's called Mysteries. Yes. Uh-huh. Truly we live with mysteries too marvelous to be understood. How grass can be nourishing in the mouths of the lambs. How rivers and stones are forever in allegiance with gravity, while we ourselves dream of rising. How two hands touch and the bonds will never be broken. How people come from delight or the scars of damage to the comfort of a poem. Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look, and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Oh, I don't think you could have picked a better one. I don't even think I'm going to read the other one. I think we should end on that one. You can't improve upon that. (laughs) Mary Oliver. I mean, to be the type of poet... Where literally I could have opened to any poem. I know. (laughs) I know. And like Richie, she's always talking about similar things in my experience. And that's because there's endless depth. And it's uh, some Richie said, God isn't 
unknowable, God is infinitely knowable, which is another way of saying unknowable. Mm-hmm. And so is nature and mystery and all that stuff. We can mm-hmm. always write another poem about what it's like to watch lambs eating grass yeah, and to bow your heads in the unknowing. Yeah. Wow. We love this time with you guys. Thank you for sharing it with Morning Pete. Yeah. Thank you for, I really, this has become, it feels kind of like a sangha. Like yeah. there really is this beautiful community that's emerging from it. And, um, and it's so helpful for us. Maybe so. we'll do live ones. We'll do live ones when, oh. it, when we can. Or we could, we could talk about doing like zoom ones. Zoomins. Zoomins. All right. Um, Be well. Uh, and keep, keep it crispy. crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you haters want to get me.